Ladies and gentlemen, we got him. Oh, Hey guys, how's it going? How's it going? Um, excuse the the sniffles and the coughings that will be uh, ensuing throughout this episode. Uh, I'm I don't want to say I'm sick, but I am kind of sick. It's not like awful. I definitely feel a lot better than yesterday, and even yesterday I didn't feel all that bad either. But yeah, I have like this cough. I had a sore throat. It's still kind of there, but it's not really anymore. It's kind of almost gone. And um, I have cough, runny nose kind of thing. So you'll hear the sniffles. You'll hear the coughing. But, you know, I'm not like, oh, I feel awful. So I like feel good enough to podcast. Just heads up on that. Hope everyone's doing good this Friday. It is um, the first Friday of October, right? This is October. Yeah, this is the first Friday of October. So, hey. This is our first podcast in October. Cool, cool, cool. We started in the summertime. We're finally entering the fall. Things are finally getting, like, cold. I can actually turn the fan off while I record and not feel like I'm burning up and dying in my room. So that's cool. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, this is episode 16 of the 40 Ounce Fridays podcast. So I hope everyone's having a good Friday. I hope everyone's had a good week. My week's been pretty solid so far. Um... And yeah, well, today what we're going to jump into, like I said, we're not fully transitioning, changing up the setup and structure just yet. I'm going to plan that and do that in 2020, as I said last week in the update podcast, if you didn't take a listen to that one. Um, but uh, the main topic I'm going to be going, bleh, the main topic I'm going to be going over today is uh, Dragon Quest XI-S, Echoes of an Elusive Age Definitive Edition. It came out last week, last Friday, actually, on the Switch. Um, technically Thursday at 9 p.m. It, it, it launched, because it was midnight on the East Coast by then, so you know what I mean. But it's been about a week since it com- came out. I've played it, I've had a good chunk of time into it, and so I'm going to be going over my uh, general thoughts. I've already played through Dragon Quest Eleven before on the PS4, but the Switch version has uh, some extra little features, some tweaks, some updates... Uh, stuff that was in the 3DS version that's now in this version as well, and some new side quest content that I'd like to get into, and as of now, Dragon Quest XI-S is shaping up to be my favorite game of 2019, and we still got a few more things coming out, like Pokemon's coming out this year and November 15th, so I have plenty of time to finish Dragon Quest XI before that comes out, thank goodness, and I still have to play Fire Emblem Three Houses, I think what I'm going to do is, um, hopefully, because there's, there's going to be a large gap in time before, uh, Persona 5 The Royale 
and uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake come out. Those both come out in March, though. So, ooh, that's going to be tricky. I'm going to have to figure out which one I really want to play first. Because I'm not going to play both at the same time. I think I'm going to play Final Fantasy VII Remake first, just because I've been really hyped for the remake ever since it was announced. And since it's an episodic thing, um, I don't... They said it was going to be long. They said it was going to be, like, you know, full-length game, solid length. For even, like, for every episode. So, I still... Even then, I still don't think it's going to be as long to play through that first episode as it will be to play through all of Persona 5. Because I logged in a lot of time when I played Persona 5. And the Royals definitely going to have more stuff to do. So, I'll do 7 first. And then I'll do Persona 5 the Royal after. That's that's kind of my plan in my head. But, um, as I was saying, uh... I have plenty of time before Pokemon comes out. Then when Pokemon comes out, there'll be a huge gap in time before Persona 5 and Final Fantasy 7 drop. And in that time period, I'm going to try to get my hands on uh, Three Houses and finally play Three Houses. Because I still really want to play it. But, um... And I do want to get Cyberpunk uh, 2077. I don't know when. It's It looks really fun. It's just not on my topless radar. No, no offense to him at all. The game looks fucking great. It's just, I've been anticipating all these other games kind of first, and I didn't really show a lot of interest in Cyberpunk 2077 until very recently. So, it's it's lower on my list of, like, games I really want to play, but I do really want to play it. So, eventually, maybe in between three houses, like, depending on how long it takes me to beat three houses, because Pokemon, I'm assuming, I'll probably be, like, really deeply invested into it for, like, at least a solid month, month and a half, and then, you know, by then, I'll just be going online, battling people, that general endgame stuff, and, you know, the big four-player raids, all that good shit, so that leaves January and February, so depending on how long I play Three Houses, I might try to, it, it also depends on money, because all these things cost money, <laughs> but anywho, um, rambles aside, news, uh, before we get into the subject of the Switch version of Dragon Quest XI, I wanted to uh, quickly do some updates on uh, Pokemon and Persona 5 The Royal and um, Demon Slayer, the, the anime. Uh, these are quick. You probably already heard these little news bits before. I just wanted to dive into them and just let you know what's going on in my radar and my perspective of like, oh, I'm excited to see this stuff. So I'll start off with Demon Slayer. Uh, if you haven't been watching Demon Slayer, really good anime that just recently finished its first season. It finished its first season last week, I believe, actually. Yeah, yeah, it was last week. Last Saturday, they, they finished up. I watched the episode on Sunday, and it pretty much ends on a cliffhanger kind of thing, leading into the next arc. <coughs> oh, excuse me, Jesus. That was a strong one. Uh, <laughs> but, um... If you didn't know, I believe the animation studio... I, for, I forget their name. It starts with a U. It's like unfortable. Uh, if you watch Demon Slayer, you know what the studio I'm talking about. I believe they did not expect Demon Slayer to blow up as big as it did. I believe that's what they were saying. So they weren't expecting to really just make a season two anytime soon. But the people really want it. And so... Uh, when, when season one's episode, like, last episode ends, it says on the screen, you know, uh, Tanjiro coming of age arc finished. So the first season is the coming of age arc, essentially. 
And then, when it ends, right after, we get a teaser trailer of the next upcoming arc. So everyone's like, oh, cool, we are getting a season two. But, we are getting the next arc. It's not a season two. The next arc, the Infinite Train arc, uh, I believe it's what it's called, is going to be a feature film. So, instead of just making a season two, starting off with this train arc, they're going to have a movie that just does the train arc. Why they chose to do that, I don't know. Maybe it's a little easier for them to do. Maybe the train arc is a shorter arc than the coming-of-age arc. Because I believe people said, like, the 26 episodes they made for the first season of Demon Slayer is, like, the first, like, 50 chapters of the manga. Uh, Don't quote me on that. That's just what I've heard from manga readers. I have personally not read the manga yet. I want to, though. Because it's not... It doesn't have a lot of chapters, And apparently it's on its final arc, so that'd be a cool read. And, you know, I don't think necessarily having a lot of chapters in a manga is is a bad thing. Like, Yu Yu Hakusho, as a manga, only had, like, 170-something chapters, I believe. It was not long. But that's different issues with Tagashi's health. But even still, he made a really good manga that was less than 200 chapters. That was a fulfilling story, in my opinion. And, um, if Demon Slayer's gonna do the same thing and not really have that many chapters, I mean, they could reach 200 chapters. Who knows how long this final arc will be. That's cool. That's That'd be a cool little read. Because, you know, a lot of the time when people don't want to read manga, it's just because the chapter count is really intimidating. Even, like, with One Piece, with its episode count, like, people find those things really intimidating, so it might bring people to read the manga knowing that it's not super long but it's still a really good fucking story but yeah so i'm assuming that maybe like this movie will be like kind of like a transition and a hold off maybe they're seeing how people feel about the train arc movie and then depending on how that goes which i think it'll be extremely successful um they'll make a season two that leaves off where the train arc ends, because they said it's going to be canon. Like, the train arc, the infinite train arc, happens in the manga. Instead of just making it the start of season two for, like, an anime, for the anime series, it's going to be a movie. So, what I think is going to happen, we're going to have season one, then the train arc movie, then whatever happens after the train arc goes from there in season two. Because I I fully think they they could definitely get a season two. Demon Slayer was fantastic. It was fantastic. I mean, people might disagree. Everyone has their own opinions. I thought it was great. The animation is great. Uh, the storyline is really good. It's it's a really simple storyline, but I think the thing that really drives it are the characters. Like, Tanjiro is such a lovable and relatable and realistic-feeling main character. Not relatable in terms of, like, oh, your whole family died, you know? But it's... Like, he feels like a person. I've said that before. I said that before when I was talking about Demon Slayer. But Tanjiro feels so real. And it... Because he, he has all these aspects and characteristics to him that makes him... Oh, excuse me. Feel like a real, well-rounded person. And the other characters do too. But they have, like, you know, those big, uh, wacky anime characteristic traits. But I think that's because we haven't seen enough of them yet. We saw Tanjiro every single episode of Demon Slayer. Tanjiro was in all 26 episodes of the first season of Demon Slayer. So we we got to get a full dose of his character, and we also saw all of his training to become a Demon Slayer, so we got 
into his mind and what he was feeling at the time. He's the main character, so of course we get a lot of like character from him in the de- development. Zenetsu and Sonosuke, or Nosuke, I said Sonosuke, thinking of a fucking Rurouni Kenshin. Inosuke, um, they're great characters too, and I I'm not calling them one dimensional characters at all, but they do have those bigger. Uh, bigger quirky anime traits like Zenetsu Zenetsu is a coward kind of like that and then when you know he passes out he gets serious and Nosuke is like the wild dude he's ready to charge into battle he's kind of stupid doesn't really know how to act but he's you know there and he's ready to throw hands but they have deeper characteristics to them we saw that in the the forest during the the fight with you know the spider guys the spider demons when Zenetsu is fighting and it flashes back to his training. And Zenetsu doesn't want to be a coward. We know that. We, he's, we, he wants to be strong. He wants to help. He just can't really find the courage in himself. So I feel like Zenetsu's character arc throughout Demon Slayer will be maturing. And getting out of that mindset of being a coward. And being like the brave, brilliant swordsman he is. Like eventually I'm sure we'll see him be able to fight without having to pass out. You know what I mean? And we've already seen a good... Uh, a good uh, chunk of growth from him from season one. He he has matured a good bit as a character, both physically and just you know mentally. And it, same thing with Inosuke. We saw Inosuke's character get broken down because he wasn't strong enough to win the battle he was fighting, and he ended up having to get saved by Giyu. Um Giyu is also fucking awesome. The eleventh form, I believe that's his name, right? Giyu. It's not Ginyu. <laughs> there's no end in it um but uh he's the water pillar uh he's really fucking cool but uh yeah in those case character actually got broken down from some, because of that stuff in the forest he got really discouraged because he felt he felt uh useless in that arc and he was by no means useless he put in some work him and Tanjiro had to tag team to fight some stuff off him and Tan- neither him nor Tanjiro could finish off that giant demon Tanjiro got blown the fuck back uh, and Nosuke almost got his fucking throat crushed in, <laughs> um, like, but, but personally for his character and the way he is, it, it hurt his pride, it, like, in a way sort of humbled him, so it was good, uh, to finally see him back to his normal self in the last couple of episodes of the season. We got introduced to all the pillars, and they all have their quirky natures, we haven't gotten deep enough into their characters yet to really, like, fan them out. Just two of them so far. I, I I highly recommend it. I don't want to keep spoiling stuff. I, I highly recommend Demon Slayer. It's real good anime. And, you know, the first season just finished. You can go on... It's on Hulu. You can go ahead and binge it. It's also on Crunchyroll. I know a lot of anime fans have Crunchyroll. So if you want to go on Crunchyroll, you can binge it there. You can binge it on Hulu. I believe it's about to start or has already started. It's dub run on Toonami. So you you have places you can see it at. It's for dub and sub options too. And I'm sure Hulu will eventually put the dubs up a little after Toonami starts airing it. So we'll see how that goes. Um, oh, also, just to throw it in since we're talking about anime right now, uh, My Hero Academia is coming, guys. It's, it's almost time. I believe it's like another week or two before Season 4 drops. I am a good chunk behind on the manga. Just I've been so busy I haven't read. But I, I have read past the arc, or like these last couple of events that happen that I believe they're going to animate. Because I'm starting to think, at first I thought season four was just going to be this one arc 
that's about to happen, which is so far my favorite arc of the series. Um, but they might have time to squeeze in some other stuff. So I, I'm excited because I really like this arc. Uh, the villain, if you've been watching My Hero Academia, at the end of season three, they give you a glimpse of that dude overhaul. Uh, he's really scary. <laughs> and uh, we saw the big three at the season finale and how the, the, the leader of the big three fucking fucked them up. Renton Tim body their whole class. So, with the power! Yeah, I'm, I'm super excited. I love this arc. It's a really good arc emotionally. Characters develop. People do stuff. My boy Kirishima is going to be involved. And and my favorite pro hero gets introduced in this arc. I'm not going to say who he is. But uh, if you guys are hyped for Season 4, oh man, it's it's worth it. I don't want to overhype people. Because maybe they won't be in, as into the arc as me. But this arc, I thought, was just all around fantastic. If they did want to make this arc just all of Season 4, I feel like they could. But I don't think they will. I think I know how Season 4 is going to end with the with the pattern they use for making their seasons. Past Season 1, when we started getting the 26-episode seasons, uh, they, they fit, like, two or three events. Like, two or three, like, arcs in every season after Season 1. Season 1 was just, like, that initial, like, training, getting into the school, all that, and then, like, the, the first villain attack with the Nomu. But uh, Season 2 and Season 3 fit, like... Like, at least two major arcs in, and then kind of like a smaller, like, third arc kind of thing. So, I, I feel like I know where they're going with it in this pattern, which is good. It'll be a good stopping point. But, um, overhaul, this arc, this initial season premiere arc, oof, it's gonna be fucking fire. Uh, so, <laughs> that's that's it for anime. Uh, real quick into Persona 5 The Royale. I'm not gonna stick to it for too long, just because I I've been trying to, like not look into it too much, because I've already played Persona 5, so with the new stuff, I don't want to know the new stuff, because it'll be fun to replay the game and then be like, oh, look at this! Oh, <laughs> like, like new... That's how I feel about uh, Dragon Quest XI-S. I didn't really know much about it, so going in, I like all the new stuff I'm seeing. But, um, one thing I did see uh, was a video... I saw two little videos today that somebody, uh, a channel greatly subbed. I don't remember the, the channel, though. It was just recommended random video. But, um, uh, Persona 5 The Royal is adding a My Palace feature, so pretty much what that means, it's kind of like a little customizable little hub place you can go to, and, like, you can view animated movies from the events of the main story, you can decorate it with certain items you've seen in palaces, play mini-games to earn P-medals, I think is what they're called, to purchase other items to customize, certain items might bring cognitions of other classmates and confidants that you see in the real world into the My Palace, and you get unique little character interactions and things of that nature. It's a fun little side mode thing to do. I also hear that uh, it's going to add DLC where you can fight uh, against, I believe, it's fighting against the main protagonist from Persona 3 and Persona 4, mm -hmm. which I think is really neat, especially considering Persona 5 is the only Persona game I've played. So, um, with that being the only game I've played, I still want to experience the other, uh, the other Persona games, the other four of them. Of course I do. I want to get into that series more. I can play, I know I can play 1, 2, and 3 on the PSP, and I can get a PSP, like, emulator, 
But um, the only thing is Persona 4. i got to find a way to play Persona 4 reliably. I'll figure it out eventually, and then I'll get to the point where I can play them all. People are hoping they like start porting Persona, the other Persona games, to the Switch, including 5. Doesn't look like it may happen, but I'm, I'm holding on to hope that it does so, because that would be nice to have. Uh, because also they ported Dragon Quest 1, 2, and 3, the original trilogy of Dragon Quest, to the Switch. So that's cool. I'm eventually going to buy those, too. But yeah, I'm interested in seeing what this DLC is about. Do you just, like, fight them? Can you use them for special things? But that's awesome that they're they're going to have that as some kind of, like, feature. It might be in the My Palace thing particularly, too. Who knows? But I'm excited for that. Uh, also, there's supposed to be some special presentation the day before the game releases. I believe the the game comes out on the 31st, I believe. I believe it comes out on Halloween in Japan. It comes out in March in the U.S. It's not a worldwide release. Um, but they're supposed to have some presentation before the game drops. So be on the lookout for that, too. So those are just little uh, side things I wanted to bring up. Um, so, yeah, let's move into Pokemon. Yeah, um... Because a couple of things with Pokemon, uh, I talked about Sir Fetch, I believe, at some point. But the main things I wanted to talk about is uh, another little controversy thing going on with Sword and Shield. And this one, like, I, I, I 100% don't understand why this is a problem. Like, the other things, like with the national decks, with them saying they're focusing on the graphical quality, and... Uh, Things of those, those issues and those debates, I can understand. I can perfectly understand why people are upset. Like I said, I have no problem with people being upset about what's going on with Sun and Moon. If you feel like you're being cheated, if you feel like they could do better, this and that, that and this. That's your opinion and that's fine. I was pro, the problem I had was like, you guys need to calm down with these fucking threats and over hate and all this like that the the ridiculousness of some people is what I was having an issue with and a complaint about but you know issues are issues with the game people are going to get it some people aren't this I don't really see as an issue and I'm going to just briefly break down why um so it was recently leaked or announced or whatever that there were 18 gems in the gallery region in Pokemon Sword and Shield. So everyone was like, holy shit, 18 gems, that's like one for each type, this and that. People were people were hyped to hear about it, da-da-da-da-da, and play through 18 gems. It was then a few days later, I think as of yesterday, like, clarified that you won't be able to play all 18 gems in one game. There are 18 gems, but, like, the Galar region treats the Pokemon League competition as a sporting thing like it's a competitive thing so there's major leagues and minor leagues so every year those whatever gyms get placed into the minor leagues and it looks like it's going to be nine gyms so that's one more than we usually get we usually get eight gyms um will be major leagues and then the other nine get put into minor leagues so depending on what version of the game you get you're going to have different gyms but i think the thing that's cool about it it's it's starting to slowly sound like each game would have a completely different gym set. You know what I mean? And I don't know if that's... I gotta stop saying you know what I mean, like someone's gonna reply to me. Um, <laughs> and that's interesting because 
I wonder how that's really going to work. Are there going to be a few gyms that are the same in both versions and then a few that aren't? Or are there going to be... Is Sword going to have nine gyms that are specifically Major League in Sword? And then in Shield, they're going to have nine gyms that are specifically Major League in Shield. And then the the Majors in Sword will be the Minors in Shield and vice versa. Can you play the Minor League gyms as an optional thing? Uh... I don't, I don't, I'm not entirely sure yet, but people got really mad about that, like, and the, I don't, I really don't get why, I really don't get why, people are like, oh, Game Freak fucked up again, oh, look, another disappointment, this and that, I'm just, but why is it a disappointment? I mean, okay, okay, I can see why people could be bummed out, like, oh, I wanted to have the challenge of playing 18 gems in one game, but at the same time, it's just like, we always play eight gems every region, so the fact that you feel like they fucked up because it was you were misinformed about some information, how is that their fault? The information was given out a little wrong. Maybe someone misinterpreted it when it was announced that there would be 18 gems. Game Freak had clarified that, hey, no, 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 no. It's, it's not like you're going to be able to play through all 18 in one game. People are like, so I have to buy two versions of the game to play a full game. No! Why do you think that? That doesn't make sense. <laughs> like, it's going to be a full game. You're just going to have different experiences depending on the version you pick. They're not cutting out gym content because you can't play through all 18 gyms. It's just like, hey... This version's gonna have these gems specifically, and this version's gonna have these gems specifically. I don't feel like that's cutting content out because, like they said, there's major and minor leagues, and they switch every year. So for all we know, if they're planning on making this a longer kind of Pokemon project, maybe, like, there'll be an update that switches the gems up. So maybe, like, the major league gems in Shield become the major league gems in Sword and vice versa. It could be a sporting thing. And maybe we can play the minor league gyms, but they're just optional things. They're not something you have to do. It doesn't get you a badge in order to end up competing in the league. And we might actually get a tournament-style league instead of fighting the Elite Four, which I know maybe some people will be annoyed with, but at the same time, what if the Elite Four and the Champion are, like, endgame stuff? Like, after you beat the tournament, then you get, like, the right to challenge the Elite Four, which could make the Elite Four and the Champion a lot more challenging than they have been as of late, because 6th and 7th gen, uh, 7th gen, um, gym challenge, I feel, is a little harder than 6th gen, 6th gen was pretty fucking easy, Chalice's gym, Pokemon League was pretty easy, um, but, uh, where are they going with this, yeah, people are upset with the whole, I can't, they can't, it's not cut content, it's not like, they're forcing you to buy two games to have a full game. I don't I don't get that mentality. And I think some people are saying that about Sir Fetch too, but I'm just like Pokemon has done that before. Like poke like version exclusive Pokemon. They've done that before. It's to encourage people to like trade and interact with other people. So maybe they'll find a way for the gyms to interact online or something or another like that. I don't think it's forcing you to buy two versions of the game. I understand being bummed out that you can't play all 18 gyms in one game. That's what I thought initially, too, and I was kind of expecting that. 
But then it kind of like, the more you think about it, the more it made sense, because we already got that trailer a few months back showing the fighting gym being exclusive to S.W.O.R.D., I believe, and then the ghost gym being exclusive to S.H.I.E.L.D. They said that specifically in the trailer. It specifically said, it shown in the trailer, that this fighting gym you get when you play S.W.O.R.D. and the ghost gym you get when you play S.H.I.E.L.D. So we already knew going in that, like, there were going to be version-exclusive gyms. So when you think about that announcement, it's just like, oh, yeah, so it does kind of make sense that there wouldn't be all 18 gyms in one game because they already said there were going to be version-exclusive gyms. We just didn't know how many. It could be more than one. It could be more than a couple, you know what I mean? It could be all fucking nine. So... Who knows? Because did they, did they say, um, what's her name? The water type gym leader? Did they state that she was, like, the second gym leader? Or did they just say she was a gym leader? Because for all you know, maybe, like, the first gym leader, like, the grass dude, is, like, the initial gym leader, excuse me, of, uh, S.W.O.R.D. And maybe she's the initial gym leader. I, I could be wrong. I have to look that up again. Maybe, I'm pretty sure they specifically said she was the second gym leader. So I'm starting to think, like, the league's... Not they're not going to be completely different on both. Maybe, like, early in they will. And then when you get to, like, the later gyms, like, maybe after the first three, like, the next six gyms will be, like, version exclusives. But I don't see that as a problem. I see that as a way to diversify the games more. Because you want you want reasons as to why there's different versions to these Pokemon games, right? Besides different box art legendaries and maybe different region-exclusive Pokemon. Maybe you want different things. Like, with... Black and white, we had, what, the, the the white village and the black city thing going on with black and white, and then in the first black and white, if you, or was that black and white too with the black city? You know what I mean, in fifth gen. Um, and then in Pokemon Black, you got Reshram, which was the white one, and in Pokemon White, you got Zekrom, which was the black one. You know, you, you want... You want differences. You want reasons of why, like, which version should I get? Like, what's the big deal besides a box art legendary? Because that's usually the only difference is the box art legendary. And I know Sun and Moon gets a bad rap. I don't think Sun and Moon were bad games. They could have been better, but they weren't bad games. Um, even they tried. Like, you get specific Ultra Beasts depending on what version you get with Sun or Moon or Ultra Sun or Ultra Moon. And then you're encouraged to trade and do different things. And then, you know, of course, there's the box art legendary, Solgaleo and Lunala. So it's just, I, this isn't new. So maybe, maybe I can see people being mad because it's just like, ugh, they're doing the same thing again. But people were like, acting like Game Freak lied to them. Like, you said we were going to play, you have 18 gyms and when were you lie. They didn't lie. Excuse me, they didn't lie. We just got... We just didn't get detailed information initially. There are 18 gems in Galar. It's just depending on which version. And people are gonna... I know people are gonna be like, Oh, you fucking sheep, you fucking Nintendo Pokemon apologist. It's just like, hey, hey, hey. I have issues with Sword and Shield too. I would rather have the National Dex in right now. I would rather us have all those Pokemon. I would rather maybe it look better in terms of graphics. I would rather this and that and that and this. All those things I would rather have. Of course I would rather have what I feel is a more fulfilling and overall better Pokemon experience. 
But at the same time, some of these things don't bother me as much as others, and I'm not saying it shouldn't bother them. Like like I said before, the National Dex does not, the lack of the National Dex does not bother me too much, considering, like I said, um, when uh, whenever I play a new Pokemon game in a new region, I don't catch any Pokemon from a previous region initially. Like, through my main playthrough, through the story, I catch Pokemon exclusively new to that region, exclusive to that region. Because I like to immerse myself in that world. So I'm just like, well, I'm only going to catch Kalos Pokemon in Kalos through the main story. I'm only going to catch Alolan Pokemon through the Alola region through the main story. Endgame stuff, when you want to do Wi-Fi battles, explore the little worlds and find out the hidden secrets and whatnot. Yeah, I'll catch whatever I feel like because Eevee is my favorite Pokemon. Also, big ups, Eevee, Eevee is going to be in Sword and Shield. I saw it. <laughs> and, um... A few other of the evolutions. I don't know if all the evolutions are going to be in it, but I've seen a few from, like, little trailer snippets. But Eevee is my favorite Pokemon anyway, so... Boom, boom. No hate to the National Dex people. I was I was worried that I was, like, damn, that was loud. Uh, worried that Eevee might not be make the cut, but he Eevee's there, so... Yeah, and I hope, you know, people get their, their favorites not cut from the game, but... I'm sorry if they do, but at the same time, it's just, dude, it's just a Pokemon game. I understand that, like, people travel with these Pokemon throughout the games and trade them up and do these things, and they form a bond or an attachment to that idea and to that, that's, because cause it's nostalgic and it's a good feeling and it brings good memories and fondness and you put the work in. I, I fully agree with you. I agree that the game should have the National decks. And I don't think Game Freak is lazy for what what went down with that whole situation with the National Decks and the whole too much storage and data. I don't think they're lazy. I think they're they're a little stupid and a little foolish because I think they bit off more than they could chew. They they thought they were going to be able to do this like they do all the handheld games. Got overwhelmed by the idea of using a console, even though it's like a Switch like hybrid handheld console. They weren't used to the technology and they bit off more than they could chew. Because Game Freak doesn't make, hasn't made console Pokemon games before. Those are other people that make the console Pokemon games. Other companies that do that. This is Game Freak's first console Pokemon title. They only make the main core series Pokemon titles. So, well, they had Pokemon Let's Go. But Pokemon Let's Go was supposed to be like a Kanto reimagining remake sequel-ish kind of thing. So you only had the initial 150, so we didn't even have to worry about the issues we have going on with Sword and Shield, especially they had a different graphic style. That's a whole different thing. But, um... Yeah, it's just... I, I don't think they're lazy. I don't think they're being dicks. I think they were foolish. They fucked up. And instead of being honest with everyone... They tried to, like, make some kind of weird excuse, and then people didn't buy the excuse, and that's when people got mad, because it felt like they were lying. So then people accused them of being lazy. I do not think they were lazy. I think they fucked up and were embarrassed and didn't want to admit their mistake. They should have just admitted it from the jump. People still would have been upset, but they wouldn't have lied. And I don't think the controversy and the situations that we're seeing with Sword and Shield even up until now when the game is like a month away, it, we wouldn't see it as that big of an issue. It'd still be a problem, but I don't think we have like these raging fans, you know, 
boycotting Pokemon and boycotting Game Freak and all this all this stuff going down the hashtag bring back, bring back National Dex movement. And I feel like uh, what a lot of uh, YouTubers have been saying. I think Loxton even brought it up. This is where this is where I got a lot of information from. Like channels like Loxton. Uh, I hear like Tyranitar Tube. You know, give his personal opinion on it. Great channels. Check them, especially Loxton. Loxton's fucking oh good, good shit. Birdkeeper Toby's cool. I know people have heard of Birdkeeper Toby, but um, I feel like what Game Freak because Game Freak's working on other stuff like. Uh, what is it, Little Town Hero? That game looks fantastic. That game has expressions and animations, like, things that we wanted to see and expected from Sword and Shield. We're seeing a lot of that in Little Town Hero. I believe that's what it's called, don't quote me. But Game Freak's putting... So it looks like Game Freak is trying to kind of expand past just making Pokemon games or being known for just making Pokemon games. So I feel like... And like I said, what a lot of YouTubers have been saying too, like Poketubers, is that uh, they should outsource, you know, people to like make these games. Like, they can still, you know, make the Pokemon designs, the lore of the Pokemon, the storyline stuff. But when it comes to actual gameplay mechanics, graphics, how things look, how things feel like that... They should have someone else be in charge of that so we can get the better battle animation, so we can get the better graphics, so we can get the better gameplay variety, so we can actually have all the Pokemon in the game because people they'll have people that can program it better. Game Freak, I don't think, was ready or equipped to do that. But when it comes to, like, you know, them being the main people that make the storylines for the games, make the Pokemon designs for the game make the lore for the Pokemon and the storylines in the world. They should still do that, but have someone else actually make the game. And I feel like Pokemon would be better off for that. The scary thing is how would these people handle making Pokemon games? But we've seen, like, the whole uh, Pokemon Battle Revolution has better battle animations than Sword and Shield argument. We've seen that. So it's possible that we could do that. So maybe in the future, maybe that'll be considered. But for now, we're we're sticking with Game Freak. Maybe Game Freak will learn their lesson after this, and then whatever the next Pokemon game comes out, whether it be like a Pokemon Sword and Shield Two, a Pokemon Gun, whatever the fuck they're gonna make, Sinnoh remakes. Because there's been leaks and rumors saying that a Sinnoh remake is coming, which would be people have been waiting for that since fucking before the Hoenn region remake <laughs> got announced. Um, maybe we'll see it. Maybe we'll see them shape up because they learned a lesson from this mistake. But I think they're getting more hate than they should. But it is their fault they're getting the hate. I'm not going to defend them in the terms of like, oh, they didn't do anything wrong. Like, no, you fucked up. You definitely fucked up. And it's your fault you fucked up. But I feel like people are going a little too hard. And I feel like it's not Game Freak's... I feel like also... I don't want to I don't want to sound like a dick. Um, you know, and I don't fucking care. It's not Game Freak's fault that certain people's expectations were too high. Because my expectations were held really high for this core Pokemon title. Am I disappointed with what I've seen from Sword and Shield so far? A little bit. Am I still excited for the game? Am I still going to get the game, play the game, probably enjoy the game? Yeah, I'm still probably going to like it. I expected better, but I expected better. Game Freak never said 
that, hey, we're going to do all these things. These are just things we expected of them. So when we didn't get what we expected, we were let down. So then we took that out on them. And that's both sides' fault. Game Freak knew that they were going to be held to a standard. Game Freak knew that people had issues with certain things and practices they had been doing over the generations of Pokemon. And Game Freak fucked up because they bit off more than they could chew and then made up an excuse for it instead of just telling the truth. But at the same time, we did kind of have high hopes that nobody guaranteed for us. Nobody. We did that to ourselves. We burned ourselves a little. So it's, I feel like it's both sides kind of, (coughs) excuse me, that fucked up and that have caused this mess. But, um, I didn't think I would be talking about Pokemon that long, but yeah, that, that, that whole thing. But like I said, the gym thing, the, the 18 gym thing, people being mad that you can't play all 18 gyms in one game is, is, it's stupid. It's stupid. Why don't we wait until the game comes out and see what they're doing with these major leagues and minor leagues? Because for all we know, maybe we will be able to play the minor leagues. Unless they already said we can't. Don't, because, because if they've already said that, then I probably just haven't seen it yet. Um... I'll look at I'll look into it after the after this podcast and if if I made a mistake or an error in what I said I'll I'll, I'll bring it up next week. Um, but as far as I've seen, I don't think they I don't think they've said you can't play them compete in the minor league gyms. I just think what they're saying is with the nine major league gyms, those are the only ones you're really going to have to compete in throughout the main story to get the badges and compete in the Pokemon League. So maybe we will be able to play the minor league gyms as like a side thing. Which would be interesting. Which would be really interesting. And like I said, for all we know, um, the the rotation for major league gyms could change every like year for the game. Maybe they'll release updates every few months. And it's like, major league gym rotation change. Now, these gyms are major leagues in Sword, and these gyms are major league in Shield. Which would be fucking cool. If they did that, and also, I'm kind of hoping for a Pokemon League tournament style thing, like like Ash, like in the show where they actually go to the league and it's a tournament. I'm kind of hoping for one of those, because that'd be dope. I've been wanting that since, like, forever in a Pokemon game. Like, I do still want to play the Elite Four and the Champion, but I feel like that should be endgame content. I feel like after you beat the Pokemon League, you earn the right to challenge the Elite Four and the Champion for the right to be the region's champion. That, that'd that be cool. And that could be a really tough challenge because it's something you don't have to do. If they make it endgame content, they can make it something you don't really have to do. And that could give them the excuse to make it hard as shit. So it's like, oh yeah, for like young kids, they beat they did beat the story. They did beat the main game. And then they can make this extra thing hard so maybe maybe hardcore players could have a feeling of a challenge. But, um, I've been rambling on long enough about Pokemon. Uh, I want to get into the Dragon Quest stuff because we, we've grinded into this time. But, uh, excuse me. Uh, one last thing. I believe, yeah, Pokemon is doing like this 24-hour Twitch stream where uh, Sonya, who is the granddaughter and assistant to this to the Galar region's Pokemon professor. I forget, her name escapes me, the Pokemon professor's name. But Sonya is her granddaughter and research assistant. She's doing a survey thing in, like, this this forest in the Galar region. And, like, you know, certain Pokemon are supposed to appear during the stream. And, they hear certain, and it's a 24-hour thing. And 
I was in it for a minute. I didn't see anything, but I, I keep going in and out because I've been busy. It's been going on for hours now. But uh, I think only, like, five Pokemon have popped up, from according from what people were saying in the Twitch chat. And they, they're Pokemon everyone's already seen. That's already known Pokemon. And I think there's been, like, slight glimpses of Pokemon. Like, you couldn't get a clear shot of them, like, or a look at them. But they're new, clearly. Like, it's Pokemon we've never seen before. So I think the longer the stream goes, the the more you'll end up seeing, like, especially at a more rapid pace, because it's just, like, long periods of time where nothing pops up. And people are, like, you know, clowning, clowning them in the Twitch chat. Like, why would they do this boring shit? Are they trying to show Empty Sword and Shield is? I think they're trying to make it, like, to stretch out the 24-hour thing, because they don't want to show all the Galar region Pokemon in this one little Twitch stream. So they're probably trying to, like, stretch it out and show, like, maybe, like, a couple of new ones. And then, like, some some Pokemon that are confirmed that are going to be in this region that didn't get cut. But I feel like they went about it the wrong way. Like, again, people that um, are complaining about this stuff, I don't know what you expected from a 24-hour survey Pokemon Twitch stream of Galar. Like, I don't know what you expected. I, I, when I heard, when I initially heard about it last week, I was like, that shit gonna be a long periods of nothing happening, and then a Pokemon's gonna pop up for, like, 20 seconds, and then long periods, and, like, I, I already knew that before they even showed it, that's what it's gonna be, and people, and once again, people got their expectations too high, so, but, but Game Freak does deserve to be clowned for this, because this was foolish, they shouldn't have done this, what they should have done is made, like, a little mini animated featurette, like, maybe, like, a 30, 40, maybe an hour minute, hour long, hour minute, hour long thing, like, a little special of Sonya going into that forest, like, an animated, like, an hour, 30 minutes to an hour long special of Sonya going into that forest, and then, like, she's writing stuff in her notebook, and then we see new Pokemon anime. That way they don't have to stretch it out over a 24-hour period, and people can watch that thing for an hour and see what Pokemon are returning and see, like, a couple of new Galar Region Pokemon. They should have done that. That would have been smarter because they still would have been able to do the whole survey thing. It would have been a cool little animated thing people could rewatch because it's only going to be 30 minutes to an hour, and then we still get to see everything, but we're not waiting these long, boring periods of time with the same looped music soon playing over and over again so game freak i think you you are taking an l on that but at the same time people people chill out what did you expect so yeah that that's it for pokemon pokemon sword and shield is one of those things where i'm just like i'm gonna talk about this really quick and i just go in on it rambling because there's a lot to this unpack with sword and shield and at the same time they haven't revealed a lot of pokemon i think over the last year since we've known sword and shield is coming we've seen like what like 12 pokemon which is a good thing, because uh, Sun and Moon revealed way too much. And I think with a Pokemon game, you can reveal way too little, but I think with Sun and Moon, they've revealed just enough. Or Sun and, Mil- Sun and Moon, Sword and Shield. Did I say Sword and Shield? I don't... Fuck, I'm confusing myself. With Sword and Shield, they've revealed just enough. And we have a month to go. So we're at least going to get one more kind of chunk update, probably. Like that final one. Maybe they'll show us the starter evolutions. I'm kind of down if they don't show us. Because I would love for that to be a surprise. You know what I mean? Uh, I, th- I think those links 
the leaks about their typings were confirmed to be true, maybe. Because there's other things that were in those those leaks that were confirmed true already now. But we'll see. We'll see when it happens. Um, but I would love if they didn't show the starter. I know some people like to see all the starter evolutions because that helps them also decide what starter they want. But I I like the, the idea of, like, I don't know any of these Pokemon evolutions yet. I don't think they've shown any Pokemon evolutions yet either besides... Uh, the, the Galarian Zigzagoon and Lion New Evolution line. I think that's the only Pokemon evolution they've shown. Like, other than that, all the Pokemon they've shown are just new Pokemon. And maybe either they don't evolve or they just haven't shown us the evolutions. And I'm kind of fine with that. I'm kind of cool with them only showing us base form Pokemon and not evolved ones. I'm down for that. But, uh, okay, let me stop because I'm getting into it again. Uh, so let me, let me dive into, uh, what I'm, I'm feeling with, uh, Dragon Quest XI-S, Echoes of an Elusive Age Definitive Edition. Okay, so, I already went into this knowing I was going to like it, because I already like Dragon Quest XI a lot, it's, it was my favorite game of 2018, hands down. Dragon Quest XI-S might be my favorite game of 2019. We'll, like I said, we'll have to see... But, so far, oh, I'm loving it. Um, same story so far, of course. Uh, it's pretty much going to be the same plot, I'm sure, with just, like, new little side bits added in. I know um, we're supposed to be getting, like, these side stories revolving around each of your, your teammates, each of your characters. And I think we're going to see those happen during Act 2. Because uh, in Dragon Quest, something happens in Act 1, and your team gets separated. So, when you, when Act 2 starts, you wake up, and you've been, like, knocked out for, it hasn't been, like, super long, but it has been a decent period of time for, like, you know, some things to happen. So, the goal of Act 2 is to travel the world again, and the world state's been, like, changed because shit has happened. So, you'll encounter new things in places you've already been, which I think is a good, if you're gonna backtrack, at least make it refreshing, and Dragon Quest XI did that. Um... And you have to regather your party again. So I think what the deal, what these side stories are going to be, is what happened to them before your the luminary wakes up again and has to go find them. Like these are going to be like this is what he was doing because we already know what they were doing, but I think we're actually going to see it unfold, if that makes sense. So it's just like oh okay cool 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 cool. Um, so I, I'm I'm excited for those, but so far. What I've seen that is new to this game has been great. Uh, first of all, we have the orchestrated music, music. I knew that from the demo that we were getting that. Sounds great. Sounds fantastic. I Like I said, I haven't played many Dragon Quest games. The only games i played, I played through 9. So uh, Sentinels of the Starry Skies. And I played a little bit of 8, Journey of the, the Cursed King, is what it's called. Which was, like, argu- which was the known as the best Dragon Quest game before Eleven came out. Now it's debatable between those two. But um, I hadn't finished it. I only played a little bit of it. And then Eleven, which is my favorite of the series so far. I'm eventually going to get the original trilogy, but people love the music. And then in Eleven, uh, they had like synthesized music, and people didn't like that, so they brought the orchestrating music back. You can choose. You can go to the music menu. <coughs> oh, excuse me. You can go to the music menu and switch it between the orchestrated and the 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 the, synth, the synthesizer music. 
So if you if you like the synthesizer music or you don't really like the orchestrated music, you can switch between those two. Also, the Champions Pack DLC, pretty dope. Gets you um, some DLC costumes for the hero, Eric, and uh, Veronica. Uh, the hero gets the clothes of the hero from Dragon Quest VIII, like you do in Dragon Quest XI on the PS4. That's like a free DLC thing you get. Uh, Eric gets this costume he uh, wears in this special prequel manga that uh, Hiro Mashima, the creator of uh, Rave Master and Fairy Tale, and currently Eden Zero and Fairy Tale Thousand Year Quest, uh, he he was uh, in charge of writing it. So he had like this outfit designed for Eric for the manga, and I think it takes place before the events of Dragon Quest Eleven. But that's a DLC costume, which is dope. And then Veronica gets a little baby boar outfit that matches with her little cat outfit that you can get in Eleven. So that's silly and fun. And you also get um, some skill seeds, I believe, and you get five pet pops. Uh, those are fucking great. Okay, if you haven't played Dragon Quest XI, uh, get it on Switch, and the Champions Pack is free. You can download it free with your game, and you'll be able to get those items. Save those pet pops, because you will learn what being pepped up means, how being pepped up works, how pet moves work. You're going to want those for later in the game. I had to use one because I was tired of the quest I was doing, and I specifically needed certain people to be pepped up at the same time. So I was just like, fuck it. So I used one. But save those. Those are fucking gold. <laughs> um, but yeah, you get those little little goodie bonuses. Uh, in terms of new features, there's vanity slots. So pretty much uh, in Dragon Quest XI... Like I was talking about with the special outfits, like alternate costumes, those are those are gear, those are armor. So you, there were certain armor for certain characters that would actually change their appearance. You would know it would when you got the and you have to have the full set because when you when you got one of those items that could be used like that, there'd be a star by it, like a little pink sparkly thing, and that would tell you like, hey, this is a special outfit. So once you get the full set, it'll change your character's appearance. So you can get different looks for your characters. The problem with these is. Maybe your favorite costume has shitty stats for later in the game. So, like, you, you want a different outfit. You want this outfit because it has better stats, but you don't really like the look. Maybe you like this look better. You don't have to worry about that anymore because there is a special slot called outfit. If you have the complete set of gear to make the special outfit, you don't have to put it in your armor slots. You can select the outfit from the outfit slot, and you'll wear those clothes... And then you can wear whatever armor you want for your stats. So now you can have whatever look you want for your character without having to worry about their stats. Things that other games have already, but a welcome addition to Dragon Quest XI. Because that's so fucking cool. I can have them look however I want and not worry about problems with having a low stat character. Um, what else? Uh, the Fun Size Forge has always been dope. The problem with the Fun Size Forge in 11, I didn't even really consider it a problem, but this is a welcome addition, is you could only use the Fun Size Forge at a camp, or uh, I, I don't believe you could use it on the world map or anywhere else. You had to use it at camp, and then uh, in Act 3, there's another Fun Size Forge in a specific place, because it just comes in handy to have it right there, but that's it. Other than that, you could only use it at camp. Now, you can use your fun size forge pretty much anywhere you feel like. You can stop, open it up, and use it anytime you like. Um, 
Also, with the fun size forge, you have to have certain items to forge certain weapons, gear, armor, whatever you want. And it wouldn't really tell you if the items could be purchased or not. You would have to, like, either have the knowledge of knowing, like, oh, I know where I can farm that, or I know where I can buy that. But with this game, if the items can be bought within a store... Uh, so say, like, I need to make, like, armor set ABC, and, um, armor set ABC needs, uh, gold ore, um, bone, dragon bone, and dragon scales. Let's say I have gold ore and dragon scales, but I don't have dragon bones. If dragon bones could be bought in shop, the Fun Size Forge will ask you, do you want to purchase these items for such and such gold? So, from the forge, if the item can be bought in store, you can buy it right there at your forge and still forge what you need to make, even if you don't have it. The only time it doesn't work is if the item can't be purchased. If you have to pick it up in the wild or farm it off a monster, you can only do it that way. Only purchasable items can be purchased at the forge directly. But that saves so much trouble of you of having you have to be like, oh, I know where that is, but I have to like run over to that town to that store really quick to pick it up. So you have to stop what you're doing, fast travel over there, grab it, then go to a camp, and then do, do whatever you need to do. Now you can just do all that directly from camp. So it saves you a lot of trouble. The only thing you got to worry about is farming from items that can't be bought. So I was like, another cool little thing that I very much enjoy game also has a photo mode. It's not the best photo mode I've seen in a game, but photo mode's always plus, always a plus. Can never go wrong. Fun times. Uh, you can have them do different poses. You can put them in different positions. Like I said, I wish the, like, getting down to the nitty-ditty, nitty-gritty details of it, photo mode could be a little better, but it's not, like, awful. It's not bad at all. It's a fun little time. I like it. So, I, I fucking love photo modes. I play with Xenoverse 2's photo mode all the fucking time. So, um, what else? What else? It's another good thing. I don't... Some of these features might have come from the 3DS version, too. So, But they're new to me, because I haven't played the 3DS version. Like, having the 2D thing was in the 3DS version just because of graphical limitations. So they gave you, like, little options like that. So that was cool. So we have the 2D mode. Um... Silvando gives you, like, this item specifically used to call your horse. So you don't have to worry about always just going to, like, the horse bell to call it. Once you get to that point in the game, you can just call it anywhere by using the item. But you have to be on the world map. You can't call your horse in, like, a dungeon or while you're in town. Uh, Eric has this thing, I don't think he had it before, called Nose for Treasure. And you can use it, and he'll let you know whatever, like, region or area you're in, how many, like treasure chests or in that area so you if you're like oh i don't know really know how many treasure chests are eric and like or i don't know if i got them all you can use eric and he can tell you if you got everything or not so that's fucking cool stacked on top of peep too because peep was a great ability it lets you know what certain things were in a treasure chest like if you use peep and it glowed yellow it'd be gold if you use peep and it glowed blue it'd be an item if you use peep and it glowed red it'd be a monster so that's how you avoid uh, mimics or cannon boxes, as they call it. But sometimes you want to fight cannon boxes because if you beat them, they give you like skill seeds. So you you want those. Those those are helpful. Um, 
And then the cool, one of the fucking cool things that had me sold, like, oh, dude, made it hella worth it. And I looked it up. It's not something brand new. It is a feature, something, like, featured in the 3DS version. But I guess they've kind of, like, improved upon it or, like, switched it up so you couldn't use the same, like, methods of completing it as you did in the 3DS version. There's the little toggle people, like, these little blue things that run around. And they're not really important to the story until Act 3. Like, you see them run around, and only your character really sees them. (coughs) Excuse me. But they're not important at all until Act 3. Like, you don't have to worry about them. So I was playing the game the other, a few days ago. I was going to where I needed to go, and one of them stopped me. It was a little tackle, and he had a little messenger bag. And he was talking to me. My party was like, who the fuck are you talking to? He's like, hey, hero, I need your help, this and that, da 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 And he transports us to his hometown, and it automatically went to 2D mode. And it was like this little, I think it's called like Tockleton, or Tockletown, or something like that. But um, they're all little Tockle people that live in town, and they all seem a little panicked. So you go meet with their mayor, and you go into this room, and there's ten altars surrounding you with ten books on each altar, and they look old and ancient. And the mayor tells you the tacos are guardians of, like, time. They make sure all these time things work well. They make sure everything's going smoothly with time. But the timelines of these different worlds are in danger because someone ripped pages out from the books and fucked up the history of these times. So essentially it's kind of like a Xenoverse thing where you go into, like, these timelines and worlds and fix whatever issues going on. The thing that's really cool about it that I really like is there ten books, right? Each of these worlds is a different Dragon Quest game. So, if I went into, like, the first book, it's the world of the first Dragon Quest. And Dragon Quest 1, 2, and 3 are in the same world, but you know what I mean. It's different heroes, they say, from different times and different worlds. So, the Dragon Quest games are connected through, like, different timelines and different world spaces. It's all one multiverse. So, I was like, that's super fucking cool. And so when you go on these quests, they play, like, the old-timey, like, old-school music. It's locations from those actual games. So you hear the the old-school music. You do the fights, like, how they did in the older games with, like, kind of, like, that first-person view of the monster and the old anime. It's really neat. Uh, it's random encounter because it's the old 2D format. Uh, the only thing I say that, like, that is kind of a bummer, but it's not really a big deal, is that with... Uh, 8, 9, and 10, those games were, like, in 3D. 8 was the first one that was, like, full 3D. It, it, when you go to those worlds, they are in 2D because it has to fit that theme of the Toppleton thing. It's not a big deal, though. I would have liked it there in 3D, but it's not a big deal. I believe in, um, the 3DS version, since, like, your top screen is kind of like a 3D mode and your bottom screen is a 2D mode, it, they, it plays like that, so you can see some of those things in, in 3D, but I think they, like, improved on the features of this little side mission in the Definitive Edition, I believe, is what they did. Because in order to get into these worlds, there's, like, three maps for each world. You have to get what are called passwords. And the reason why the Tackles are talking to you now and running around all the all around Erdria is because they're searching for passwords so you can use them to go into these worlds and solve whatever issue that needs to be solved. And I believe the passwords of the 3DS version are different from the ones in this definitive edition on Switch. So you can't cheat and use them from the 3DS versions. They're new passwords. And they're not hard to find. 
Yeah. They give you like a way of like going in your info and searching up passwords. And if you're in like an area where there's a password, like a toggle with a password to give you, it'll the location will go from just being like question marked to like saying uh, Dundrasil region. So now I know there's a toggle in Dundrasil region that is going to give me a password. Once I find him in that region and get the password, there'll be a star in the little box next to that location telling me you got the password from that location. So it's not going to be like too hard to search them out. They're not going to be like, you better remember if you got one from here or not, or such and such, or search every area far and, long, far and wide looking for these passwords. It'll let you know when you're in an area where you can find one, and it'll let you know if you already got it. So that's that's very helpful, and I thank them for that. So, it's cool, too, because certain issues, they're, like, I think the, the, the problems that are happening with time are just, like, things that happen in those actual games that are edited because time got altered and you have to fix them. And some problems you can't fix right away because you have to get something from another world and then go back to the other world and use that item to help. Like, I remember in, um, I went to the world of Dragon Quest three. And the hero of Dragon Quest Three, like his mom and his dad, were just about to get married, but somebody put like a spell on people that made them hate like the dad and say he was a deadbeat and everyone was against the wedding. So you needed to get an item called the Fuddle Drops. You couldn't get them in that world because the map I was in was just a house. But in the world of Dragon Quest Nine, the angels of Dragon Quest Nine had Defuddle Drops, so you ask for them, and they give you Defuddle Drops, then you go back to the world of Dragon Quest 3 and fix it. So certain problems in certain worlds, you cannot fix until you have another certain world or certain map unlocked, and maybe they'll have the item you need from there. So you're going to go back and forth between these worlds, and the real world, and your main 11 world too. Because uh, in the world of Dragon Quest 2, they needed like magic water, so this she would have enough magical power to cast some kind of spell. And Magic Water is an item in 11 that gives you, like, restores 30 MP. And she's like, what? Where you're from, this is, like, a common thing? Like, that's crazy. Like, So it's cool. It's really interactive. And it's something you don't have to do. But it, I think it's so cool. Like, it's a cool little homage, shout-out, nostalgia thing for people who have played the past Dragon Quest games. And for people like me who haven't played all the past ones. It gives you a little taste of like the old games, and it's like it's cool to see. It's interesting, so that's one of the new things. But yeah, it was kind of a feature on the 3DS, but I guess they've just improved upon that 3DS version and changed some stuff up. Still, welcome feature. Here is my favorite thing that they've done. Um, so in Dragon Quest Eleven, in Act Three, there's these special like extra little side dungeons you can do. At the end of each one, once you finish it, you can have, like, a choice of, like, these options or requests that you can do. Uh, one of them is you can get married. But, in Dragon Quest Eleven, in the original version, you can only get married to Gemma. Gemma is your childhood, like, hometown f best friend. And Gemma's nice. She's really, she's really sweet. She's a kind person. You've known her, you know, pretty much all your life. Uh, she gives you your little good luck charm when you go out on your journey. But you hardly see Gemma for the game. Like, she's with you in, like, the little tutorial intro part. Then you don't see her until, like, Act 2, and it's only for a little bit. And then you can talk to her in Act 3, but it's you don't really have to. 
excuse me. So me personally, I didn't really care about Gemma. I was like, I wish I could like marry Serena or something, because Serena is best girl. Um, <laughs> well, what I found out because I, I decided to Google, I was googling stuff about Dragon Quest, and one of these topics came up about uh, romance options in Dragon Quest Eleven S, and I was like, what? So apparently, you can now marry other people besides Gemma. You can marry uh, Serena, Jade, I think Veronica too. And then I think if you pick like Silvando or Eric or Hendrick or something like that, I don't think it's like a marriage thing. I think you're like best pals that just live together for life. It could be a marriage thing because the video I saw, because somebody linked the video to it, it was in Japanese. So I don't know what they were saying really. And I didn't watch the whole thing. So I don't know if you marry them or not, but that'd be really neat for like, you know, people who... I don't want to be a... Why am I being so sensitive? If you're, like, a gay guy and you, like, had a thing for Eric, now you can marry Eric, maybe? I don't know if you can marry the guys yet, because I'll have to look more into it and see if people have gotten to that point yet in the game, because I, I thoroughly played through my game slowly. Um, but, um... If you can, that'd be neat. That'd be a neat little addition. I just like the fact that you can marry other people besides Gemma. Because I'm 100% going to marry Serena. Uh, Serena is best girl. <laughs> but that's awesome. I was like, oh, thank you. That's what I needed right fucking there. Because I like Gemma. Gemma's cool. I don't want to marry Gemma because I don't know Gemma like that. Like me personally playing the game, I don't really care for her that way. Just because you don't interact with her. You interact with Serena. Serena travels with you throughout the game. You get to know her. She grows as a person alongside you. So it's just like, oh, dude, Serena's, Serena's dope. Especially especially Act 2. That's when she really, like, fucking steps up. And I was like, oh, girl. I'm so proud. <laughs> but um, other than that, uh, I haven't seen any other new features yet. Like I said, I'll probably have to play further in the game. Get to those... Uh, little other your teammate character stories for act two most likely what other little snippets and new features they have we'll we'll see when we get there but uh graphically if you've played the ps4 or pc version clearly it is a downgrade um is it bad not really if you're like a snob when it comes to that kind of stuff for resolution and graphics you'll probably be like oh it's shit it's not bad as far as like a switch port goes no, not bad at all. And if you haven't played the pre the other versions before, it, it's not really going to be an issue to you. It can look a little fuzzy sometimes on some close-up like angles and shots with your camera. Not like camera mode, I'm saying when you move the camera like out on the field. Like if you zoom in sometimes, sometimes it can look a little grainy or fuzzy. But I don't really get that much from when I'm playing it. My Switch, when it's on the dock, it's more like in the handheld mode, because I the resolution drops when in handheld mode. But, um, not too bad in terms of, like, graphics and resolution and all of that. It's what I expected from a Switch port of this game, so I'm not disappointed with that. And I, and I honestly didn't care about that stuff, I'm not that kind of guy. As long as it doesn't clearly look fucking awful. Like, if I got this Switch game and it was, like... The 3DS level graphic style of 11. No disrespect to the 3DS version of Dragon Quest 11, but I was like, I would be like, you didn't need to downgrade it that much. Like, you know what I mean? It wouldn't have to be like that. I mean, also, if you play in a 2D version throughout the whole game, that's not going to be an issue to you at all at that point because you're playing in 2D version, the 2D mode. So <laughs> it's going to look fine to you. Um, 
the 2D mode does automatically make it random encounters. When you play in 3D mode, you're fighting enemies. You see the enemies out on the field, so you can chase them down, avoid them. You know, you you can pretty much pick your battles. Uh, in in the 2D mode, it's random encounters, like old school style. But uh, it's up to you what you like to do. But I like the fact that there's the options for it. Uh, battle mode, same as always, like with the with the original version of the game. Um, still love the combat. It's so simple, but the farther you get in and the more abilities you lock, unlock, the more complex it can get, especially with the, the pet powers, like the little team attacks. Those become real big factors, so you want to get like specific, specific skills so you can get specific pet powers, just like that. Choose how what weapon your character wants to use and what style you want them to use and things like that. Great story, as always. Uh, just an all-around solid game. I just wanted to wanted to talk about all the new stuff I've seen so far, little updates, new features, new content that I've seen so far. Great, great, great Definitive Edition so far. And I'm not even done. I'm not even done with Act 1 of the game yet. I'm going to be playing it as soon as I'm done with this podcast, so. <laughs> and that's, that's kind of it, because the only other thing I would have to talk about is the stuff that's already been in the game. And I, I want to wait to talk about that maybe, like, another time. When I'm further in the game, and if some new stuff comes up that I haven't seen before in the other version, in the PS4 version, I'll bring it up and update you. But I think that's actually going to be it for the podcast. Um, just wanted to nerd out on some info with you guys. Uh, next week, don't really have a topic lined up yet. Hopefully I'm not in a fucking coughing fit like I was this week. But uh, we'll see how that goes, but... I don't really have a topic lined up yet, but you know, I eventually figure it out. I might even figure it out right now. It might pop into my head. But I had fun with this, just going over some um, anime news, that little bit of anime news with uh, Demon Slayer and My Hero. Uh, Fire Force, I think, is coming back this Saturday, too, actually. And they had a little promotional artwork for the next little... They had a little key visual for the next little arc they're going into for Fire Force, and it's looking pretty interesting. Fire Force is still really early in, too. If you guys want to catch up and watch that, it's on Crunchyroll. Uh, Dr. Stone is still going strong. I am now two episodes behind, because a new episode came out today, and I haven't watched last week's episode yet, so I'll probably have to watch those real quick at some point today. But uh, Dr. Stone is still fantastic. We got the new anime season lineup coming up soon. Uh, Persona 5 news is coming up, so I'll keep keep you guys posted on that until it releases here in the West in March. Uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake, you know I'm going to be talking about that when it comes out. Pokemon, I'll keep going with whatever's going on with Pokemon, you know. Especially when it comes out, I've got to discuss. And, like I said, I'll keep you updated with Dragon Quest. And I think that's going to do it for the podcast. I don't really have anything else to talk about this week. Uh, so thanks for listening to me talk like a nerd for like an hour. (coughs) Oh, excuse me. And cough. Oh my god. I'm gonna make some tea. I'm gonna make some tea. Um, but I gotta make tea. I gotta do laundry. I gotta play Dragon Quest. I gotta do all that good shit. So I will catch you guys next Friday. Don't know what the topic will be yet, but we'll see when we get there. So I hope you guys enjoyed it. Hope you guys enjoy the rest of your Friday. I know I will. I got some plans later tonight before I got worked on Saturday. So let's get it. Let's get it going. 
And I uh, hope you guys enjoy all the next week. And I hope to hear from, or I hope you hear from me again next Friday. Hear from you. I wish. But, um, alright, enough rambling. Uh, I'm gonna have the opening the Dragon Quest XI play us out. And I'll see you guys next week. Bye-bye. Also, guys, uh, the podcast is also up on YouTube on the Art Project YouTube channel. I have a whole playlist for all the podcast videos as they go up every week. It's also available on the Facebook page, which is also Art Project, so check that out. We also do updates for another random tale of whatever is go- whatever else is going on. And, you know, if you, if you want to catch the podcast on those other platforms and other ways of listening, feel free to check those out. Thank you very much, and I'll see you guys later.